It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. And welcome into the Skinny Podcast presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Gary Miller, Local 12 sports anchor, and J.D. Musi, anchor, reporter, producer. In just a moment, we're going to talk with Nick Curran, the voice of the Louisville Bats, about Homer Bailey's rehab start, the progress of Nick Senzel, the progress, actually, of Robert Stevenson, how Cody Reed's faring, and much, much more. And we'll do that right now with the voice of the Louisville Bats. Here's Nick Curran. And my pleasure to welcome in now the voice of the Louisville Bats, Nick Curran. Uh, a lot to talk about, especially Homer Bailey with his, his rehab start on Monday. Um, I, I followed along online. Uh, first couple innings were good. Obviously, the third inning was not. And you've seen enough rehab starts. Um, you know, people can make a lot out of the numbers. But it just it seemed like the Homer Bailey that's been up with the big league club this year was the Homer Bailey that showed up in Louisville on Monday night. Yeah, you mentioned it. he was really good through two. And the second inning had some really weird stuff happened behind him a couple of errors in the second inning he was able to pitch around and then um they were able to get to him Columbus was in the third he uh the fastball was sitting 92 94 it seemed like most of the night he touched 95 a couple of times and um I, you know you mentioned it I, I think it's hard to make a lot out of one appearance and um Certainly pitched really well through two innings, so if anyone wants to use this as a case to say, see, this is why you should be in the bullpen, uh, folks maybe will do that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it's a case of there, – there's so many factors when a guy is on rehab, and, and certainly Homer's done it so many times over the last few years. Uh, I think there's, you know, legitimate things to be said about you know, how pumped up is a guy for, you know, to be out there in a triple-A game on rehab. I think that's uh, something, especially, you know, on a Monday night when the crowd's not going to be uh, e- enormous and uh, different things like that. But I-, I think through two innings, he was really good. And, and I think the fastball had the, the low 90s velocity for uh, for most of it. And obviously they were able to, to figure him out in the third inning. But I, I don't know how much you can take away from one. So we'll kind of see what happens and, and see where he goes from here. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like they've set a date for uh, for a second rehab start, correct? Yeah, not not that I know of. Maybe we'll find something out today. Um, but I know it was still pretty up in the air about what they were going to do after after the first one. Uh, obviously, there's there's a handful of guys that, that are on that pitching staff that, that uh, were members of the Reds' rotation at different points over the last few seasons. Probably the most disappointing one that's down there. Would be Brandon Finnegan, uh, 10 and 11, 390 ERA a couple of years ago, was a regular member of the rotation, dealt with some injuries, uh, dealt with some wildness early in the year. Um, I, I, the numbers aren't eye-popping, 2 and 4, 436 ERA, but, but how has he thrown the ball? And I guess most of all, how has he handled being back in AAA? Because he was really not very happy about getting sent down. Uh, I think he's handled that part of it great. Um, I, he's been, um, from, in my you know, kind of time around him and and uh, in 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 other dealings, been really really good about that, and I think he's really taken it in stride. I think a lot was made about a couple of the articles that were written, but I, I think he's handled it really well, um, and I think he's gone to work and been working on things with with Bad's pitching coach Jeff Vicero, and his last one out was in Scranton on on Saturday. You mentioned it, nothing terribly eye popping, but. Um, he outdueled Josh Rogers, who's been one of the best pitchers in this league this year, and uh, he went five, allowed three runs on six hits, and 
that was a game the the bats got 20 hits so so he got the win and, and pitched well and kept the team right in the game I, by and large i think he's pitched pretty well um since he's been sent down uh there's been a, a start or two that haven't been great, but his numbers are a little bit skewed by a rehab start he made when he was still getting back off of right, the disabled right. list with us. And um, I, you know, I, I think he's he's been solid for the most part since he's been down. I think he's handled everything well, and um, I, I think we've seen a lot of flashes of of uh, you know why the Reds traded for him. And, and I think you know people have talked about this too, but he. Um, hadn't spent a lot of time in the minor leagues, right. obviously. Um, and so this is, to a degree, something a little bit new for him and, and a chance to to, to kind of hone the craft, you know, in, in AAA and and um, work on some things. And I, I think he's done that, and I think he's been really good since he's been uh, since he's been an actual bat and not on rehab. Yeah, I mean, and he's only 25. You know, it's not like this guy came up and failed at 29, 30, and this is basically last chance time. I think the point you make is a, is a great one is this is still a chance to kind of hone the craft as opposed to where in Kansas City he was brought up to kind of be a bullpen guy in a, in a, in a pennant run, um, came here, got thrown in the rotation almost by default, and, and if you look at the numbers, pitched pretty respectably well that, that season, but then the injuries are kind of derailed it, and you still look up and the guy is only 25 years old. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's, you know, still young, and and like I said, I think he's handled everything really well uh, being here, and so I think that's a huge part of it, the attitude a guy has coming in and, and being willing to, to work on stuff and try to make adjustments, and I, I by all accounts, that's been him. So um, I think this could end up being something that, that works out really well. Another 25-year-old left-hander is, is, is down there as well, Cody Reed, and, and... – Nick, this is the third season he's been in Louisville, so so you've seen him numerous times. And just numbers-wise, it looks like he's he's regressed. What positives, if any, can you take away from it? Or, or are we at the stage where you say, you know what, he may just be better suited to being a relief pitcher or have they not given up on the, an entirety of him starting at this point? Yeah, you know, he – last night, he's cut down on his walks. I think he's only allowed two walks over his last three starts total. Um, he pitched last night, and he was about as sharp as I've seen him. I, he struck out 11, which is one off a career high. He got through seven and two-thirds innings, which was a third of an inning off a career high, and um, was really just in a groove, had an error behind him that led to an unearned run in the third inning, gave up a, a home run to Adam Rosales, a familiar name to, yep. to Reds fans. But um, how, quickly he, did he get around, how quickly did he get around the bases? Did he sprint? Quite, quite, quite quickly, yes, yes. He uh Todd Hankins was on base in front of him, and he nearly ran him down at the plate. So, uh, but he—I uh, mean—that was really his only major mistake of the night. Uh, allowed another run in the seventh, and then uh, there was a pass ball in the eighth, and and uh, Domingo Tapia came on in relief and allowed a triple, so it allowed a couple of his runs to score. But so he ended up allowing five runs, four earned on six hits. But you know, I, I think he's been. Uh, he was really sharp last night. The start before that in Pawtucket, he allowed 12 hits, but um, only uh, three runs on 12. Uh, there's been another start this year where I, I think he allowed like six hits in the game, but four of them were solo home runs. So uh, I don't think he's that far away. And watching him, I, I think his fastball is is looking pretty good. You know, sitting mid 90s and and uh, throughout the start, even as it gets deeper and. And we all know the slider he has and, and how highly touted that pitch has been, and I think it's just as effective as ever. 
And, I, you know, I, I think he um, is locating that fastball pretty well right now. And, and I, just, I, I don't think he's that far away. I think he's had some bad luck in a few starts. And um, I, I don't know what his role will be, you know, in the big leagues. And I, I don't know if, um, if, if it's going to be to start or if it'll be to come out of the bullpen. But I, I think he certainly has the stuff to – to do either and and being a left-hander and I you know I I know folks probably look at the numbers and aren't that impressed but to me uh he's a lot closer than maybe the numbers would would sort of indicate with with the way he's been pitching yeah I know that's why I'm glad to have you on because you know I don't even look at afar from the numbers and, and and you're right that that's that's what we had to go on from afar but seeing him every day you're seeing either progress or regression it sounds like you're seeing progress how about with Robert Stevenson he pitched really well in, in in late game or late season last year, last eight starts, and looked like okay, he finally was getting it and was going to probably be a member of the starting rotation this year, and, and it certainly didn't work out. Um, again, numbers don't jump off the page at you, but a four eleven ERA, and it looks like he's making a little bit of progress. How much progress is he making? Yeah, he had a string there of about four or five starts in a row where he was just spectacular and uh, really uh, pitching as well as I've seen him. His last one. Uh, in Pawtucket earlier last week um, wasn't as good and only got through three and a third, allowed five runs on five hits. But uh, he's been throwing the ball well lately, um, really throughout the month of May. He was really, really good. He uh, was cutting down on the walks. Uh, I think that was a big thing in keeping guys off base and, um, you know, routinely getting through six, seven innings. And he um, he's been – Lately, really good, and I think we've seen why, you know, the Reds took him in the first round, and uh, he's made an adjustment. He's worked with Jeff Acero, the bats pitching coach, and has uh, mm. gone to throwing exclusively from the stretch and um, talked to him about that, and he said, uh, you know, I asked him if it was just a matter of being more comfortable throwing from there, and he said, actually, yeah. And if you'd asked me that earlier in the season, I would have said, no, I'm much more comfortable throwing from the windup. So um, there's been some evolution in, in his uh, comfort on the mound and, and the way he's thrown and, and gone from the stretch. And it's it's worked out really, really well. Uh, like I said, through the month of May, uh, he was one of the best, not only the best pitcher on the bat staff, but one of the best in the league and uh, still has really good numbers, uh, ranks, around the top five in the league in terms of opponent batting average. Um, and so when, you know, he's he's under control and, and not walking guys, it, it's tough to hit him. And he's up there in the league in strikeouts as well. So uh, I think there's a lot of positives for him. from him. Uh, the walk number is, is still high, but like I said, lately that's been cut down. And um, I, I think he has shown a lot of progress over the course of the season and, and a major adjustment he's made to, to his delivery by going exclusively from the stretch. He's throwing tonight, so we'll get a chance to see yeah, how he right. bounces back. Um, the Reds draft Jonathan India, and it seems like there's just a dearth of third baseman, second baseman right now um, uh, with Nick Senzel there. And before I get to him, with Dilson Herrera, um, you know, he seems to be kind of the forgotten guy. He's got a little taste of the big leagues with the Mets. Um, obviously battled some injury issues. I look, I, I saw the other night at least he was hitting third in the lineup, um, so they got him in a, in a key spot. Uh, how is he? Pro- how is he progressing defensively, and, and maybe wh- where does he fit in the, in the future? Yeah, uh, I talked to him a couple days ago too, and, and he said his you know his mind is just completely right, and he's 
He's gone into this time with the bats, you know, in, in as sound a mind as he has in his time in the organization. He started the year at Daytona in high A, and um, I, I, he, to me, he looks, and he said this, as healthy as he's been. Um, I, I think he's playing with as much confidence as he's had. Um, he can hit. We already knew that. He, he's been able to hit no matter where he's been. He, he's been able to hit in the Reds organization since he came over. But defensively, to me, he's made really, really big strides. Um, he's played a lot of second base and uh, has shown pretty good range there, uh, as good as I've seen in his few years here. Right. And uh, played third base and um, has, you know, shown uh, an arm over there. And, and like you mentioned, um, you know, injuries have sort of plagued him since coming over to the organization. But I, I think he is healthy, and he, he looks as healthy as we've seen him since he's been in the Reds chain. And um, I think he has made um, a lot of progress defensively um, in, in terms of range and in terms of his arm. And uh, he's playing as good a defense as I've seen him play. So uh, I think there's a lot to like about him. He's just really, really confident and uh, spends a lot of time talking to Hernani or Barn, who um, obviously is just a, a great guy to, to bounce things off of, just a pro and a veteran. And um, I, I think that relationship has probably done a lot of good for Dilson too. And he's a uh, he is playing at a really really high level right now. Nick Senzel obviously put a scare he's put a scare in the organization a couple times last year, getting shut down due to the the, the vertigo slash interior issue. And, and then this year he's he's since come back. I think in his last ten he's he's hitting what three seventy five something along those lines. Seems like he's kind of picked up where he left off. Um, he, he's got to be getting to that point where he's forcing a decision on on the big league club. I guess the big part is I'm guessing they need to continue to see him stay healthy. The the, the big question though is with, with Suarez with the seven year contract and they bounce Senzel around and now Dilson Herrera playing second. Where where is Nick Senzel playing regularly defensively and where where do you see him eventually playing defensively? Uh, he plays. Mostly second base with the bats. He gets uh, probably out of every, you know, out of every week. If you say seven games, four or five of them are at second. The other yeah. two are at third. Those are uh, the places where he's played. And I think he can play either. He's a pretty smooth defensive player. Maybe that's an underrated facet of his game because of how well he hits. And uh, I think he can play either. Um, I think he's shown the ability to play either one of those positions well. And um, obviously, you know, Suarez at third probably isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And Scooter Jeanette's just out of this world right now for Cincinnati. So uh, we'll kind of see how all that plays out. But um, no question, Sinzel can get it done defensively. Um, He's been moved. uh, Dick Schofield, the bats manager, has moved him up to the leadoff spot for the first time in his career uh, the last three games. And he's gone eight for 14 out of that spot. So um, he's been. Really, really good. I had a four-hit game Saturday in Scranton, and then a couple of hits Monday, a couple more hits last night. And uh, he's really produced out of the leadoff spot. He's riding a 12-game on base streak right now. He's just continuing to hit like he's hit his entire professional career. Um, And and I just, uh, you know, I I think Dick Williams was quoted as saying earlier this year that they wanted to make sure he's completely comfortable. I don't want to rush him to the big leagues, make sure he's comfortable at AAA. I think he's definitely, you know, looking pretty comfortable, and and he's uh, been able to to settle in. Had a bit of a rough patch, um, 
maybe late April, if you can call it a rough patch uh, for his standards, maybe. But but uh, he's been really really good, and and uh, with, with the vertigo, missed some time on the DL, and I'm sure trying they're trying to be as careful uh, with that as possible, making sure he's completely good. But he's shown no signs. I mean, he's come back and just uh, continue to hit the ball well, and like I said, eight out of 14 over his last three, hitting at the at the top of the order, and uh, that's been a a big uh, you know sort of thing to key the bats offense so he's he's shown that he can he can hit lead off as well so oh, that's no, it. I, I, yeah i noticed that the other night when, when i was looking at the bailey game that he was hitting lead off and it kind of took me back and i looked to see if it had been done much before and it, and it hadn't um and it was going to lead to another question of is he a maybe not a leadoff type hitter is it but is he more of a, a i always felt he was a middle of the lineup kind of guy could could he be a top of the order kind of guy a first second guy in, in the lineup that uh Kind of like Chris Bryant. I mean, Chris Bryant hit second a bunch for the Cubs, and, and I don't think Senzel has quite Chris Bryant pop, but um, yeah. maybe a better pure hitter, for goodness sakes. Uh, could he be a, a top-of-the-lineup kind of guy? Uh, maybe. He's hit second most of the year with the bats, so I, I'm thinking that's kind of where they see him is like a, maybe a two-hitter. Um, but I, I think he could hit anywhere. I mean, if you can hit, you can hit. He yeah. definitely can. He, he's got – uh, underrated stolen base ability. He's seven for eight in steals, and that's even with missing most of the month of right. May. So uh, he's been able to to do that. He runs everything so hard, and I know that's a hallmark of his, how hard he plays the game, and there's no doubt we've seen that in Louisville. And um, Yeah, I, I, I mean, I just think he can hit anywhere. I, he can he can definitely hit for power. He can, uh, he can get on base. Like I said, a 12-game on base streak, and He's shown that he can sort of set the table too at the top of the order. So I, I don't know that there's much that uh, we've not seen him do since he's been a pro. Lastly, is there is there a player or a pitcher that maybe is off our radar? Because I'm, I'm bringing up guys that, that fans are pretty familiar with, and maybe you've even seen at the big league level here, a, a guy or two maybe off the radar um, that, that you've liked, and say, hey, maybe that that guy will get a crack in the in the big league sometime soon, maybe even at some point this year. Um, the, there are a few guys position player wise that really stand out. And I'll, I'll mention one guy in the bats bullpen and that's Kevin Quackenbush. Yeah, he's been uh, great. Yeah. Uh, he's been spectacular and he came down and, and really immediately took over in the closers role for the bats and he has thrived. He's really comfortable in that role. He enjoys closing games and, um, he's, I believe eight for eight now and save opportunities has a, has a, uh, right around a .6 ERA. I mean, he's been just out of this world incredible since coming down, and and uh, I think he's only allowed a couple of walks in, in however many innings it is. But um, he's a guy that, that could very well be a AAA all-star uh, because of how well he's pitched with Louisville. So on the pitching side, definitely him. Uh, I'll give you a, a few names position player-wise. Um Gabriel Guerrero has been really good in right field. He's uh, Vladimir Guerrero's nephew. Yep. Um, he he has a similar arm. Uh, he he has an absolute bazooka out there in right, and it's been fun to watch him. So many plays that uh, opposing players don't think are going to be close at all become close or outs because of his arm. Um, he's hit the ball well. He's hitting 290. Well, when in, going into last night, was hitting 295. He's up over 300 now. He went two for four last night, and um, he's been pretty good at the plate. Has a lot of power. Um, Chadwick Trump, a catcher who started the year at Pensacola, um, he has shown still very young. I think he's 23, but he um, 
he's shown a lot of ability uh, from behind the plate in terms of his arm and trying to cut down base dealers. He can handle the bat well. Um, he's been uh, pretty fun to watch since and he's, he's made it to the and he's got a great all-time name, Chadwick. Trump. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Every 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 opposing bro- broadcaster has <laughs> a lot of fun with him making baseball great again. And then um, Blake Blake Trom, who is a uh, a shortstop, uh, a prospect shortstop, has been with the Bats the entire season. He's played in all but three games for the Bats this year. He's a lot of fun to watch play short. Uh, really smooth over there, and, and, and his range is really good. A great defensive shortstop. His batting average won't blow you away, but he, he finds ways to get on base. He's uh, in the top five in the league and, and walks strong, and uh, he's been uh, a solid guy to watch in the field. So those are the three names that, that kind of stand out to me just off the top of my head. Great stuff, Nick. I appreciate the time so much. Hopefully we'll catch up again this summer and uh, get, some, get some more progress reports. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Nick. Thanks very much. Um, let, let's let's start with the Homer Bailey rehab start. Um, I think the only thing you can get out of it is it is what it is, and rehab starts are different. And, and Nick and I talked. Um, some guys are just down there trying to get their velocity back, and maybe they're just pumping fastball after fastball. I, I don't get the sense that's what Homer Bailey was down there doing. I think this was is the knee okay if the knee was ever hurt in the first place, right. and and B. Um, trying to get guys out again to prove that he belongs not just back in the big leagues but back in the starting rotation again at some point. And he really didn't – he really failed, for lack of a better term. Yeah. You know, he, the five spot in his third inning is last inning. And got a pitch count up. I think the only encouraging thing is somehow he didn't give up a home run. Right, <laughs> which is something he did a lot uh, a lot here, for goodness sakes. Jed, you and I talked in the Sports Authority. We talked a couple of times. Yeah. Um, it looked like if Sal Romano had had another bad start, that that maybe that's the spot Bailey would go fill. But that didn't take place. Yeah. He had a spectacular start. Bailey did not. Um, you're getting back. You're getting back to that quandary zone of do you just throw him in the bullpen because you have to pay him, or what do you do with him otherwise? Yeah, you know, uh, Romano had almost had the first complete game since Liesel Verto Bonilla last year for the Reds. Um, it, so it, you know, it looks like he's he's been working at it. He, it's one start, but uh, I don't think you, I don't think that's, I don't think you switch out Romano. I don't think for the future of this organization that you switch out Romano. I think I'd we uh, we also talked about how let's see what we've got in Romano for a full season's worth. If he's going to take day. if he's going to take his lumps, and and to his credit, um, I, I can't remember where I read it, but they said that he. Took an extra bullpen. He's trying. He was trying to keep things down in the down in the zone. He worked really hard at it. He seems like the type of kid. I don't talk to him every day, but when I've talked to him, he seems like a kid that really, really cares and really gets it and really wants to really wants to be a factor. And I think Mo Egger, um, if you're listening to this on uh, Thursday or Wednesday, he wrote an article in the Athletic today that said we we can't we can't keep caring about what happens to Homer Bailey. <laughs> We just can't. You just can't. If you want to, if if you want to think about what this team is going to look like going forward, it, he's Homer, not part of it. Right? He's not no. part of it. Right. So, you know, whether we talk for ten or fifteen minutes about Homer Bailey or what about this or what about that, it, it, it's in the long term. And the Reds are still a team, unfortunately, for this fan base that have to think long term. He's he's not going to be a part of it. No, I I, I think it's the whole. You already you already do have sunk cost, right? I mean, you've already the right. money's already accounted for. At the same time, are you really just going to let him go away? I think that's where you go back to the argument of, all right, look, if he shows he's healthy enough to pitch, and you don't 
want to throw him back in the rotation because you want to see what the young guys do. I think you have to throw him in the bullpen just because, right or wrong. Well, I, I think what, you know the article that Jed's referring to, and Mo is just saying, you know, he's just a, a jag, just a guy, just a guy. You know, he's a roster filler at this point. He's a sure. He's a number, and what we're talking about with Sal Romano, you know, Finnegan's starting to pitch a little better his last few starts in Louisville. Uh, you got Dee Sclafani coming back. You don't want to take away opportunities from these guys. Plus, if you want to give anybody an opportunity, it's Harvey, whose trade value right now is keeps diminishing every time he goes. I, I don't know if you're going to get anything for him. Correct. It's getting to that. It's getting to that point. But I think I go back to and you 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 were doing games on on ESPN back in those early Braves dynasty days when you know Glavin and Avery and Smoltz in particular. They just threw him out there and let him go through whatever oh, lumps. Right, and it was almost that they were learning on the job, and I think you at least have to do that with Castillo and with Malley and with, with Romano, um, at least the balance of the season, unless they're just getting so destroyed that, it, that there's diminishing returns, and then it's back to trying a Stevenson uh, and or a Finn right. again. There's other, there's other options where I think, you're, I think everybody's right. You, just, you move on from Homer Bailey at this the stage, other than he is just a guy. The skinny is there was quite a bit of that last year. Uh, you know, it wasn't a full season. Yeah, not for not for Romano for, and Mali, though. It was just a cup of coffee. Right. You know, it was a number of starts. And I agree with you, Matt. I think that's probably been the biggest disappointment because I think the general consensus, not just in the Reds organization, but in baseball, is that Mali and Castillo are linchpins that you can build a rotation around. And especially Castillo has just been baffling. Right. Well, Poorly, he's pitched. Yeah, and it looked like he had kind of figured stuff out and then slid backwards a little bit. But I, I'm still that ilk that just says, let's give, give him the ball every fifth day. Let, oh, let's, let, let, let's Let's look at it over a 32-start span uh, when the season's all said and done for each guy. Let's see where the numbers lie. Let's see if there was improvement. Um, and I think it's the only way you do it is, is like a Romano. I mean, if you pulled the plug, you may not have gotten that start out of him last night. It could have been a turner a corner turning start for him for goodness it may not be but at least it was one of those where he knew his back was against the wall and he took ownership uh, and he took ownership and he, and, he respo- and he responded i, I got to do something sure. or i may lose my spot and he responded accordingly so and, and the, you know the other thing too is that it, it's kind of baffling to me because i hear oh well jim riggleman's got a quick hook well 99 times out of 100 these red starters deserve the hook sure okay Yesterday, he saw something in Romano and let him go. I, I don't think if Riggleman has a quick hook that he comes back out for that eighth inning. Yeah, because I think there was right. at least two left-handers up in that inning, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, so this, this, was whole, this whole idea that you know he's that this may not be the right guy to manage this rotation, I think is false just because – who show me a start in the last two weeks where a, a red starter deserved to go to the sixth inning, seventh inning, and Riggleman put his foot down no, on it. I would even argue the reverse side was that start for Matt Harvey in Colorado where he got through a, a rough fifth inning. Right. They brought him back out for the sixth inning, and he gave up a couple of extra runs because of that. I think that was almost saying, listen, i got to get an extra inning out of somebody and tag today, you're, you're it. So I don't think it's a quick hook at all. I think it's just it's what you've earned at that I, point. Romano was one of the few. That's one of the few times all year you talk about such a rare complete game, which is rare across baseball, but especially for the Reds, he had a low pitch count. You know, a lot of these guys have the pitch count he had going to the eighth by the fifth inning, if not correct. The fourth. Correct. You know, they're up in the eighties and nineties already. Right. Well, and it, and it was it was comforting if you're a Reds fan that you can see because typically you know it's either a start where Matt Harvey's given up four runs in the first inning or. It's a guy's kind of cruising along, and then he gets that first piece of adversity, and then it's just he crumbles. And, 
you know, uh, Romano gives up that home run, has no margin for error because uh, Ian, the offense was doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, against Ian Kennedy. Ian Kennedy, who somehow is still in Major League Baseball, right. was dominating the Reds. I mean, it, it was comforting to see. Yes, okay, you get you give up a home run, but you're able to come back from that and pitch another few innings and set yourself up and and give your team an opportunity to win. Which that's the Reds why I'm did. anxious to see the follow up from Sal because yeah, right. Ian Kennedy have every right to have another horrible, especially against the Reds' offense. Royals' offense is not very good. Reds' offense has been so Larry. Solaire's their cleanup hitter. <laughs> I mean, holy cow. That's why, they're gonna, lose, that's why they're gonna lose hundred games. Yeah. 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 So so them getting shut down, it's it was a good spot for Romano. It's a road win. Uh, you know, that he didn't get the win, but he pitched fantastic and allowed them to get it. But when Ian Kennedy comes in with the number, their, their numbers were almost identical. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that's a pitcher's ballpark. I, I know the Reds have some issues, but they could be how close to the top of the AL Central would they be if they played an AL yeah. Central schedule? Because the Royals are terrible. The Tigers are in the mix simply because they're in the division. They are a mess. And Michael Fulmer is a gone mess. Now. White Cabrera's Sox are gone. terrible. The White Sox, you know, they have some good and bad days from some of these young guys that they're bringing up, but they're still, you know, a couple of years. I was watching some of that White Sox game last night, and I'm like, I don't know, and I'm I'm an above average. Watch I, I watched them on Sunday against the Red Sox, and about five or six of the guys, I went, I don't know you. I don't know who <laughs> I you are. No idea who you are. Um, so I'm not saying the Reds would be in contention, but if you had, I mean, if you could get healthy on playing the Royals right. and the Tigers and the White Sox in back to back to back series potentially throughout the course of a 162 game season. I mean, holy cow. Instead, you've got to go up against the Cubs. You've got to go up against the Brewers. I mean, you've got some of these teams that they, the Cardinals, you know, they, they just snapped a long losing streak against the Cardinals. It's it, that AL Central is a nightmare. And we talked about that at the beginning of the yeah, year. Yeah. Reds are 21 and 25 since Jim Riggleman took over after the win on, on Tuesday night. Does he deserve, and it's very early still in the process, does he deserve some consideration at the end of this year to bring him back? Based on where you are as an organization? I've always had a lot of high opinion of Jim Riggleman. He's had some strange situations where he's had success, starting with the Cubs, and then in Seattle he had a strange situation. Washington, he had earned the right to stay, but they didn't give him the extension right, he and wanted. He, and he, he had done a good job. He's a, he's a good baseball guy. I think and he makes some, situa- uh, some decisions that you might question, but he seems to come from a place of knowledge. I think he knows the game really well, and I think he knows – what he has. I think that, you know, what we talked about earlier, about the quick hook or whatever, Riggleman wants to win games. Sure. Now, maybe that goes contrary to what the Reds need to be doing and finding out what they have for 2019 and 2020 or whatever. But that's why Riggleman has guys out of there. Because look at, look at the Cardinal series. They were out of those games. And then suddenly they got the tying run at the plate but in Gary, the eighth I, and ninth inning every game. Right. But I, I would tell you... I, I, I I think that philosophy is the right one, but I, you know he's still they're still giving the ball to those young guys every fifth day, so I don't think that part's changed. And if you look, I think five of the relievers right now on this roster have ERAs of two point three three or less. Who are you turning to in the sixth inning of games? Right? I mean, oh, without without a doubt, by August though, without a doubt. So and again, that that criticism is is unwarranted because what you're saying is true. These starters are not earning the right. Plus, yeah, they're all about six. Exactly. And when a guy finally earned the right, in Castillo not yeah. too long ago threw six innings in a game where he earned the right to stay through six innings. Right. I mean, Romano earned the right to go, and probably arguably right, when an inning maybe more than what he normally would have gone because of the matchups. And he said, "Yeah, you're rolling. Keep rolling. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you do what you what you're doing." I, 
you know, I, I know he's kind of got that old school in him. Um, I know the whole he came off looking bad when the one day they say, hey, Winker's going to – Winker's the odd man out. Next day he's in the lineup. You know, the whole Homer Bailey going to the bullpen communications. I don't know if that was all entirely him or not, and and I no one's going to know that. But I think it made him look bad. Yeah. But put that stuff aside. I think that was an example though of him wanting to win games. Yes, and I'm I'm okay but with he that. He didn't think, at least at that time, Winker's really responded since. You know, he didn't think Winker was the best way to get wins at that point. And probably some of it was a work ethic situation of all, and maybe it was him his way of saying, "Listen, I've I've pushed every button with you I can. If you don't want to go work right. on your defense, I'm going to tell tell the press I'm going to bench you." And then guess what? Okay, maybe then he decided to work on it. He did. He did. I think I think his defense has made improvements yeah. since the beginning of the year till now. I mean, he had that play, um, what was it, Sunday. It ended up getting overturned. But he was – Oh, know, the one at the that, wall. Yeah, the one half, at the wall. he was a half inch away yeah. from making that catch. Making a I great looked catch. up and I thought, oh, okay. I mean, he's – He was one last night at Kansas City. Yeah, I think he's getting to ball. I think he's – and whether it's – Maybe it's I, left field. Yeah, I he's don't know. Suited. But it's but it, it it seems to me like he isn't as much of a liability as he was at the beginning of the year. He's not going to get that much faster. Correct. No. But it looks as if he's he's at least made an made an the effort. The thing that was frustrating with him, Jed, is that you know in right field especially, he'd like play like a hot potato. The ball would so frequently just get out of his hands and turn into another base or two. Right. I see him. I don't know. Maybe. It looks like left suits him better. He seems more on it. He's made, you know, the catch you referred to in the Cardinals series last night in the Royals. Right. I thought that ball was either gone or off the wall, and he made a leaping catch at the wall. Uh, the probably would have ended the game. Right. Um, you heard from from Nick Curran, and we're, we'll, we were talking about, uh, you know, Nick Senzel and, and now Dilson Herrera, um, who they got in a trade. And, you know, when they got him from the Mets, there was a thought that, hey, here's the next second baseman. Um, that was before they even had Scooter Jeanette on the roster. Scooter's now the guy. Senzel's playing some second. As Nick talked about, he's been very good. He's very athletic. That second base probably, you know, he suits him very well. Um, and then you go and you draft Jonathan India on top of all of this. Um, I, I know the philosophy is get the best player available. But, and there's no guarantee that Nick Senzel comes up here and hits, although I think as long as he stays up and straight up and down and vertigo doesn't get him, he's going to hit. Um, I don't know if Dilson Herrera can come back and hit at a big league level, but he's certainly showing that he's, he's more than capable of hitting triple a pitching. Um, did they do the right thing in taking this kid because he was the best available? Or are you still in need of a quicker fix pitching wise that can get here sooner like a Brady singer or someone along those lines? I think that if the reverse situation was the case I would be a little more upset because I think it's really tough to evaluate pitchers coming out of the draft with all the injury with all the, the concerns that way I remember when the Indians a few years ago made uh, the Alex White and Drew Pomerantz trade for Ubaldo Jimenez they took a lot of criticism because those are truly highly two highly thought of guys and White I think was number seventh overall pick out of North Carolina and the the Indians said they basically said we're comfortable with this trade because there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that if you said to me, hey, they've got all these pitchers that they like, but they identified that the best player was a pitcher, and they have these gaping holes at, in the infield or the outfield, I would say, gosh, you really should probably get one of those. I think because of the the, the way the situation is now, I can't fault them for for going out and getting the best guy because 
who knows what what is I, I just think position players have a better chance of potentially being major league guys than 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 pitchers well in in their like, talents identify yeah. And there's the potential India plays shortstop. I don't know if he can play it at a big league level, but that's the consensus that he can maybe be a shortstop. Senzel can play a couple of different spots. Um, I don't know what Dilson Herrera, although, again, he's playing very well. And defensively, the issue for him was he had the injured arm for a period of time. Now he's back and he's he's doing some good things. And Jeanette comes to that free agency mode. I don't, I don't have a problem having a, a, a large group of guys to choose from. It's better than the alternative going, who do we have? And... Um, I think that's probably the right. I, I get that you're looking and going, hey, this team needs a. They need a pitcher who can come out of college, go to Double A, go to Triple A for a short period of time, and be up here by next summer. There's there's no guarantee that Brady Singer, whoever else was available, right. was going to do that. Well, and 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 that roll of the dice is a much bigger gamble when the likelihood is that you're that a guy is more likely to blow out his arm. And maybe you don't see him in the major leagues until he's 25. That's the the greater likelihood. I mean, who's that kid, Brady Aiken, a couple years ago? Right. That thought his that he walked on water, didn't end up signing with Houston. I think went to Philly. Who knows? I, mean, I don't know where he is now. I think the Indians may have taken a flyer on him or something. He's in somebody's system. But you know, the, the idea that that the Reds should have passed up on a Jonathan India kid or whoever else to to get a pitcher. I just I don't know I don't know I I just don't know how confident you can be when evaluating pitchers. Well, and I don't think you can treat this like the NFL draft. And a lot of, a lot of NFL teams treat it like best guy on the board. And and if th- that kid was the guy that all of a sudden your board is here, he's your number one guy. You go there. It's not like he was getting plugged into the major league lineup tomorrow, um, and they saw enough athleticism to say, hey, he can play maybe some different spots. And I know it sounds like they're kind of rolling the dice here and. Throwing darts and going, well, Senzel's a third, but nah, he's a second. Well, maybe he's back to being a third base. But we already got a seven-year contract guy at third base. And wait a minute, our shortstop position isn't very strong. So we'll take a third baseman from college, and we'll try to make him the shortstop of the future. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with what they did in this regard. I think they got the highest value the yes. for that five yes. pick. Whether he comes up as a red and plays for them or whether he gets flipped or whether, you know, Suarez is a very attractive piece with the contract he has with the way he's playing. You know, so maybe India is his replacement right. if you can get something for him. But the other thing that, you know, Iglesias' name keeps coming up in the trade talk. He's going to have most value, whatever. I mean, he's young enough that he should be one of the pieces you build. What Don't do you, disagree. Jed, just explain the whole thing. Your pitchers are just kind of a roll of the dice. So you're going to trade him for three more pitching prospects? Yeah, I don't have a closer. Yeah, and I and I I don't think he's at that closer level money yet that he's going to demand no. an outrageous sum. He's not a frontline starter that you have but to he's go. One of the only pieces you can get. No, no, no. For, but they already but, have. They're already in that position. Correct. Um, I mean, look what they got for Cueto. They got John Lamb. They got Cody Reed. They got Brandon Finnegan. John Lamb is out of the organization. I think he's out of baseball, maybe. Okay. Maybe, or he's Co- darn close. Cody Reed. We you and know, Finnegan we, are we, trying to work their way back, as as we just talked about, and and both are. Numbers-wise, not doing great, although Finnegan's pitched right. much better here of late. But Cody Reed is 0-5 with an almost 5-year range of play. guy who had that cachet of this yes. guy can be. sure. You know, he's got the kind of stuff that could... And it hasn't translated. Yeah, once he gets up to the big leagues, something happens. Yeah, it just hasn't not translated. Guy. No, no, No question about it. Um, l- lastly, uh, we're about a, a, a month away from the All-Star game, um, and, and we saw in the latest, latest voting... Joey Votto was fifth. I don't think he deserves to go this year you know, without question. Scooter Jeanette was third, but a close third. Suarez was fourth. 
on a team that's that's losing the way the Reds are losing, do they deserve at least those two guys right now as we sit? I, I feel bad for Scooter because there's no way he can maintain where he is right now. He's having an MVP-type season. And the problem is Baez is leading the league in, right, off and on. Off and on between him Suarez and Suarez. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's making a big deal out of Albies. And I, I don't know if the Braves are drawing well or how that's. Yeah, and that's part you know, of it. Well, some of it's online, too. Albie, yeah. Albies has been in a monster slump. He just had a grand slam. But before that, he was. I mean, it, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's fan right. voting. I just think it's, he's, normally that was that's a position where you could probably. And Scooter's Scooter. He's got the name. He's had the four homer game last year. He's been consistently the good. Batting. He's been up there in RBIs off and on, leading the league. I'd love to see him get it. Uh, Suarez, you know, they got to take a red. I would think that Scooter would at least make it that way, right? As as a roster, you know, the add on. But Suarez, Suarez probably deserves. I think he deserves he's, a spot. Yeah, I mean, he's got a very legitimate chance to maybe be leading the National League in RBI by right. the time that uh, by the time the All Star game rolls around. You know, like Duvall's got a lot of RBIs, but they're not right. big spots. Well, and Suarez has he missed however three, many right, almost three yeah. weeks. Right. Yeah, so and, and still leading the league in RBIs. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and, and Vado's really a product of his own success. Where you look at it and say, this year he's having. He's not even a great year. He's just. I mean, it's, it's right. You know, he's just not. I mean, he's been stuck on six homers. It feels like for five months, right. and the season's not even five months old. I mean, he's still having an okay year, and he's still getting on base. And you look at the OPS; it's still okay. Right. Uh, he just cracked three hundred now. Right. He's, right. But, there's a, know, lot a lot of, of other opinions were already formed. Correct. I know the balloting just started. No doubt. But, no doubt. Know, people have kind of made their picks, and now they said, "Okay, I can't wait to get online and make these picks." Um, so, I think Scooter's the guy we really need to get a campaign for. Uh, maybe Albies falls back. Let's hope. Uh, Baez is going to be tough because he plays for the Cubs. Correct. 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 That, that's that's the tough one. But I think they both probably end up deserving to make it for goodness sakes. All right, fellas, I appreciate the time. Thanks again to Nick Kern as well, the voice of the Louisville Bats, for checking in. We'll check in with him a couple more times this summer. For Gary Miller, Jed Demusi, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Reds edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.